welcome to Fallout Podcast episode 56, aka Threatened by the Cracker Factory. It's a frankly offensive fall showdown, all 500 and odd songs going head to head in four eras 77 to 85, 86 to 93, 94 to 01, and 2002 2017. Tonight, we have Rebellious Jukebox versus Two Steps Back, Gentleman's Agreement versus Half Found Borman, Jim's The Fall versus The Ballad of J Drummer, and Loop 41 slash Houston versus Wise Old Man. Joined as always by Monsieur Pippington, Billy Rugby, the OM sense bringer to BM Problems. How are you, Philip? I'm all right, mate. I'm feeling distinguished tonight. You seem uh, to be holding some kind of pipe, an old-fashioned gentleman's pipe. I've adopted it now. I feel I've, I've come of age where I can handle a pipe as part of my general image. I have heard that you can handle a pipe. Moving on, Lord Sage Temple, reducing waste and excess transportation. Indeed I am, yeah. It's great to walk. Everyone should try it. Really loving the uh, AI sunglasses that Mr. Pip's modelling as well. Ah, brilliant. I'm done with the kids, mate. T-Bone Pemberton Walker, destroying and consuming for fun and profit. Well, yeah, it's a, it is a lot of fun and I'm uh, fully caffeinated this morning. Beautiful. Probably joined by Tiny Tim Chua from the other side crossing the plazas on the Dartmouth side of each bridge. Is he with us, Philip? He's screaming through the echoey void. Brilliant. And I am Tree Three Beards, Jade Plant, Europhobia Millie, and Crown of Thorns. And joined by a super special guest, Miss Claire Wilcock of that the Belgium town. Claire, how are you doing this evening? Morning. Um, I'm all right. I've got a bit of a hangover. It's not evening. Um, uh, are you sure? Yeah, are you sure about that? Well, it could be, yeah. Could be. Last time I looked at my watch, it was three o'clock. So I don't know which three o'clock it was <laughs> so what's your kind of take on the fall are you a, a big fan or a, an occasional listener i'm an occasional listener my cousin first played me the fall he's like seven years older than me i was probably like about 13 or something and because of like if you like if you listening to the cure and you said like oh i love friday i'm in love he'd like come round the house immediately with pornography well the album the album <laughs> <laughs> Not a stack of dirty <laughs> magazines. <laughs> and so, um, well, I went to see The Fall in Belgium, like something early 2000. And immediately, because he's a big fan, he said, I'm going to send you all the albums on cassettes. <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> it, well, he, d- he did send quite a lot of them, but not all of them. So thank God. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some highlights and some lowlights, and we'll come across them this evening. So why don't we, t- why don't we crack on? First up is a Rebellious Jukebox, a big hitter from the debut LP Live at the Witch Trials 1979. <laughs> Sweet, sweet. Philip, as is customary, coming to you first, Rebellious Jukebox, 1979. What do you make of that? I think it's a cracker. I really like this. Do you know what? It really surprises me. The more that I listen to it, just 
how clever and commercially viable this track is, especially from like off his first album and stuff. My only criticism of it really is that um, I don't like the drum sound on it. I, I don't like the drum sound on Live at Witch Trials. I think that Smithy shows a little bit of juvenilia here and there on it on on the track, but musically, which is a bit of a surprise on on this album because I do think it lags behind Smithy's development generally. But I think musically, it's dead clever. I think there's loads of really cool stuff going on in it and there's loads of kind of sounds in it that would that would inform other bands like all the the, the bon temper keyboard works a treat doesn't it and the, the little guitar fills the uh really reminds me of like deer hoof and like that but um yeah i really like rebellious jukebox it's not my favorite album but this uh, this little cock yeah absolutely it's one of those songs that we talk about songs that you would play new fall fans or people that didn't know anything about the fall that's one of them you would sh- you would play it to someone and they would they had any inkling in punk post punk they'd get it I think Alistair what about it for you well it's one I've known for many many a year it's a good one it's nice and simple but you know with some considerable charm in there Phil's already mentioned that the keys I do like the, the, the old plinky plonky style that's great yeah it's, it's a solid structure decent track off uh, Witch Trials good one uh, Ezra yeah for me I, I don't think it's really the fault of the song itself but I always seem to conflate it in my head with psychic dance hall and, and you know listening to it and reading through the lyrics there is a kind of crossover with the jukebox and the dance hall both of them being seeming to be somewhat animate in some kind of way but yeah it has been said it's a cracking track off this album it's a real toe tapper and I love the idea of the jukebox sidled up to a fruit machine this I was imagining some drinkers dancing at the bar drinkers dancing for the bar so you know like I, I guess they wrote these tunes or he wrote these tunes while he was doing a lot of acid and mushrooms and whatnot and so yeah this this writing of things as if they're kind of conscious or at least not inanimate is something that i really like about it so yeah pretty good track all in all yeah i get you with psychic dancehall i mean if it was a seven inch single with a relish jukebox on one side and psychic dancehall on the other that would be that would be a cracking single and the same kind of energy yeah 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 i think it's it's one that kind of stood out to a lot of people for a long time because i do remember like about 1990 they used to have a feature in the nme uh rebellious jukebox yeah it was like uh, picking all the best tracks wasn't it everyone would uh would choose their highlights and stuff Exactly. Uh, Claire, what about this one for you? Well, I, I actually like the drums on it. I think and they add to the idea of the jukebox being rebellious because they're quite cocky. I think the drums. Yeah, I really like the idea of a rebellious jukebox. It's it's just a great idea. Um, I also like people who are rebellious with jukeboxes as well. Yeah, for example, I remember somebody going in the Alfred and St. Helens and putting like something like Yaz on about 50 times and then walking out, you know. It was you, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Mentioning no names. <laughs> I had not it before, but yeah, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, nice. I think this is Carl Burns stands out on this. There's drum rolls everywhere. Yeah, I, I think Mez actually, as good as he is, is a bit Johnny Rotten on this. It's it's one of the kind of maybe a Rotten a little bit too much, especially with that the line I sidled up to the fruit machine. I shut up a dough I put my chain. This kind of I'd be taking a piss at Paul Weller or something, but um. um <laughs> Uh, but there's hooks everywhere. There's every, 
and like so many hooks, little lines like Taxi for Mr. Nelson, and then obviously the chorus and that wiry guitar line, really propulsive, and the plinky, plunky, snoopy piano. Yeah, and apparently, like, I never knew, but the lines like I'm, I'm, I'm searching for and I'm looking for the real thing is Martin Brammer singing that stuff. But it's really cool. And yeah, I, the idea of the jukebox being sentient and, and wandering around and uh, getting into mischief is, uh, is, is comic. It's comic to me. <laughs> I like it a lot. I think it's a great tune. Um, what does Tim 3 think? Always love this one, especially the clean but chunky two-chord guitar riff on the spiky lead line in the chorus. Is it Brammer doing the accompanying vox at the beginning of each verse? Yes, it very, is. Very, yes, yes, it is. Very straightforward and punky stuff, but a polished little gem. Good shit. Good shit indeed. Yeah, classic. Definitely a standout on Witch Trials, but he's up against another track from Witch Trials. Two steps back. <laughs> steps back Ezra what do you make of the song two steps back it's not rebellious jukebox that's for sure but I've got to say I love that tooting very very fine tooting I live and I dream of owning synthesizer like that one someday it's interesting because and you know this is why I was talking about acid and mushrooms on the last song because here they actually talk about acid and mushrooms which uh, you know you don't get that many drug references in the fall lyrics and apparently also name checking Julian Cope as their dealer which he went on to deny as I'm sure you would don't really understand entirely what it's about lyrically though like and there's this one there's this line where he's like had a look at the free festivals they're like cinemas with no films you could make a fire with the seats or boil up some cigar dimps or get into the sound wait for the ice cream to get come around and I'm not sure if that means he's pro-free festivals or anti-free festivals you know like initially you think well obviously he hates free festivals because he's Marky Smith and he would wouldn't he he would just hate stuff but then you're like well and they're like cinemas with no films which I suppose is bad but then he's like suggesting making a fire with the seats and boiling up cigar dimps and getting into the sound which is pretty much what people do at festivals so maybe he really liked free festivals I just don't know Maybe we'll never know, Ezra, at this point, will we? Yes, not. Oh, very good. Um, Alistair, two steps back. Is it? No, it's, it's two steps forward. Um, yeah, notice the copy reference. I can't remember if I read it in uh, Julian Cope's book, you know, like autobiography about that, or if it was in one of the, the fall ones. But Cope used to go watching the fall early doors, you know, like when they were first starting out. I can't, I can't remember the name of the book now. Is it Head On? There's Head On and another one. Either way, two steps back. Um, for me, it's the best one this week. I'm calling it. Lads, I'm calling it. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, really like the sort of the dead minimalist space uh, where everything's kind of like all over the place at times. It's kind of like wandering away. But not quite like, you know, like the jazz men doing the, the little solos here and there, but, you know, they, they are going off script. Kind of like a prototype for something like Winter. Uh, they've got that kind of like sort of plod to it, but it's kind of like really earthy atmosphere to it. Um, completely different from Rebellious Jukebox. Great song. Yeah, Cope, as well as Ian McCulloch, were both kind of roadies in some capacity right around this time Yeah, uh, for the fall. So, Claire, what about this one for you? I like the um, kind of toy-like keyboard sound. That's really kind of my thing. That, And they also picked that, out that line about how to look at the free festivals. They're like cinemas with no film. And I think probably when you go to a festival, a free festival in particular, you're just hanging around, aren't you? You're not necessarily like, I'm there to watch this band unless there's somebody really good on. So I think, I think that's what he means, really. I think I've realised like a couple of months ago I was watching Glastonbury on the TV and I had the sound off. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't noticed yet. Yeah, yeah. It's for the best, really, at this point. But yeah, it, it, immediately, uh, it was the one that stuck out to me, really, that I, I liked more nice. than the other, I think, yeah. Blimey, so we've got two two people calling it as, as the best of the evening, which is good. Uh, Riley, I think, is is the star here. He's he's on bass and he does that really nice build-up at the beginning with the, with the bass sliding around and it's got a slower burn. Drums are kind of punchy as well which um, don't always happen on these early albums I think it'd benefit from even heavier production because it's a bit light as is like we say the production on Witch Child is a little bit light I think Smith lets it down a little bit I don't think he brings particularly uh, great delivery I think he again he's still a little bit too punky Smith it's still fantastic it's just not at the level that he would have hit very soon great lyrics a cigarette goes out when you put it down um, it's a nice kind of non-solo from Brammer all over the second half of the song, which is which is brilliant. And then the, an early example of the poppy kind of chanty outro. Uh, I think the last minute is is actually my, my favourite stuff where it all kind of falls apart and then there's some poppy Riley kind of stuff over the top of it. Uh, a cracker factory, a place where you get into the working routine again. Rehabs for no hopes, prefab for jobless dopes. Meet my old friends there. They queue up for cash. They are part Irish. They have no conscience. What about Philip? Yeah, so I think I think everyone's kind of hit the main things that, that I've um, heard in this. It's quite an interesting one to juxtapose against the last one, isn't it? The bass is very different. The last one, the, the bass was very melodic um, and carried everything along with it. In this, everything is just doing that same descending motif out there all the way through. I think musically, the last one was very punk with a capital P, wasn't it? And this one is is really showcasing that they're a bit more interesting than the uh, the three calls and the truth brigade. It's much more deliberately experimental in the music, isn't it? You start to hear how they'll deconstruct the idea of how bands arrange pop music. Um, that's starting to kind of come through uh, in in this track. I'm with you that it's still got that juvenilia kind of of Smith a bit on it. Shows its inputs a bit too much on its sleeve. And yeah. I I think that guitar solo is a bit of a standout. It had me thinking of Red Crayola, maybe even Sid Barrett, and some of his kind of guitar work on that first Floyd album. It's 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 similar in its um, its attitude and its technique, I think. But but it's likable nonetheless. It's not a bad track. It's it's just 
pales a little bit with what you know what's coming. But I have to agree with what Alistair said. I did think that if they'd have come up with something like this just a few years later, it wouldn't have sounded too out of place on something like Hex. I think musically, the attitude is is the same sort of place, isn't it? As opposed to Rebellious Jukebox, which just wouldn't fit on any other album, I don't think, really, apart from that first one. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's a sign of things to come. And whether or not you think uh, that makes it a standout or just an early version, well, your mileage may vary, as they say. <laughs> but what does Tim Twa think? This is a classic no doubt i think there's a little clumsiness in the lyrics and delivery but so many ideas and interesting images that all is forgiven and all hail marked i love the meandering four prog and interplay of the shifting drums restless snoopy keys and guitar i think the closing standard punky repeating of the track name could have pushed it into cheese but then high priest mark pulls out some gold over it this track is imperfect in the best way well 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 it looks like it's going down to the wire Let's take a vote, Philip. I was saying to uh, to that there, Alistair, actually, before recording, this is the hardest one for me tonight, I think, deciding between these two, because they're quite, they're quite different in the way that I would normally kind of judge uh, them against each other. But I think Rebellious Jukebox just pips it for me. I think it's it impresses me how tight it is as a song, and I, I, I think that's kind of what pushes it over the edge for me. Fair enough. Alistair, you already called it, but you're sticking with that? Sticking with it. Two steps, nice and clear. Yeah, I mean, it's a close call, but I'm sticking with two steps back, yeah. Fair enough. Ezra? Fight, 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 fight. I'm going with two steps back too, because I like the guitar Oof, and the boots. I'm going with Rebellious Jukebox. It is close and... Early on, it was it was a, an easy choice for Rebellious, but over the course of the week, the more I listened, two steps kind of weaseled its way in, but I'm still going with Rebellious. Yeah, it's up to Disco Stew to see whether he ties it or turns it. Let's see what he's popped in there. Okay, Rebellious 2.9, <laughs> two steps, three. Oh, there we go. It's, it's a done deal. It's a close one. So Rebellious Jukebox goes into the second chance bag. Don't He's get up. no closer, man. Don't get no closer. Don't get no closer than that. Um, finish. But um, it, it will get another chance, but it's going to be up against some big boys in that second chance. But that means two steps no, goes not, through. It's not going to get it's, it's done, isn't it? It's done for. Um, uh, up next is Gentleman's Agreement from Code Selfish in 1992. Change of pace indeed, Alistair. Gentleman's agreement. What do you make of it? Beginning of it's really cack, in it? Like, you know, just 
sounds like some bad electronic or Wrong. MP or New Order <laughs> B-side to start with. Like, you know, yes, you know, a little bit more reflective sounding with the guitar and the vocals later on. When the drums come in, that's okay. That makes it sound a little bit more coherent, a, bit, a little bit more interesting. Don't mind the chorusy tremolo effects on the guitar either. But the highlight of it for me is the end. And they faded out. What's going on there? <laughs> The highlight was the end. What, yeah. what was it about the end that uh, was a highlight for you, Alison? <laughs> it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> the final fade out when it became inaudible. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra, he's wrong, isn't he? That wasn't a terrible opening. That was a brilliant uh, opening from Dave Bush. Oh, yeah, I was right in the palm of that opening's hand. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah, no, this is this is a real odd one. <laughs> It's I, I guess it's aiming for the velvets by way of Manchester or something. I'm not entirely convinced it hits the target. Yeah, you know, like I've said before in this period, I feel like they were really trying to pull off some kind of sophisticated pop kind of moves or at least get themselves into that kind of bracket whilst at the same time being just totally subversive and uh, deviant about it and so you know it, it kind of works i think I, I i do like the the lyrics a lot like we plow the fields together in all types of intemperance our bones cracked in unison gentlemen's, gentlemen's agreements and you know it's just another one of these songs where mark's pissed off because someone's fucking stabbed him in the back or some or whatever i don't know but it's hilarious to read it and then he goes on to say i thought we had some kind of agreement but with you it was just prurience and you know i was thinking to myself yeah you know he's right isn't he if i had a penny for every time thought i'd had a gentleman's agreement with a gentleman and then it turned out that they were just pure <laughs> I would probably have about two pence. I don't know. It's funny. But yeah, funny, funny, weird, shitty pop, suppose. Damning indictment of the type of friends that you and Marky e. Smith make. Claire, <laughs> what um, what about this song for you? Um, I'm sorry, Alistair, I disagree. I love the end pro. It's, <laughs> it reminds me of like a Serge Gainsbourg type, but like played with one hand, <laughs> you know. So I really like that about it, except then, you know, you listen, you hear Serge Gainsbourg and then you're expecting like a load of amazing strings to come in and that's a bit disappointing. The more I've listened to it through the week, I've enjoyed it more and it's really grown on me, yeah. Nice, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, this has been come better for me with each listen and uh, I also disagree with Alistair that I think those big Dave Bush pianos at the beginning are really nice. Very Mondays, very happy Mondays, bummed and, and some parts of pills and thrills and I was starting to look into doing one of our few Futures and Pass on the Mondays because there's a lot of crossover between those two bands and uh, yeah listening to a lot of bummed era Monday stuff very, very much this kind of stuff almost like there's a middle of the road folly kind of the boys are behaving themselves to make a nice bed for Mark to kind of like do his thing over the top his laconic and sibilant ruined <laughs> vocal delivery I wouldn't say it was bummed era sounding because uh, that's a, like a decent LP and that song's just not right it's more more like the like, thrills, pills, and belly aches kind of hallelujah. Um, Lester, you've had your turn. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to say things like that, I'm not going to allow you to say anymore. <laughs> 
Go on. What, what else were you going to say, Al? No, no, no. I'm stopping That's it. All right, good. <laughs> good. So it sounds like it would fit well on a 90s Granada Reports uh, segment, but I like it a lot. And, the, and I don't know whether it was my headphones or the production, but unlike a lot of the stuff in this era where it was very flat, it felt like there was a lot of undulating. It felt like the keyboards were kind of coming in and, and building and then dropping, but probably just my headphones broken. Last 30 seconds, uh, as I was saying, it gets kind of harsh and there's kind of that, that telephone vocals and uh, there's some some nasty kind of drums which is quite which is nice but I do prefer the kind of MOR uh, stuff and lyrics wise your brain is software your brain is Game Boy it is filled with excrement <laughs> and your short term <laughs> memory will fleetingly remember our gentleman's agreement beautiful beautiful stuff Philip so when when Alistair said electronic or I thought you meant I thought you were making a reference to the band electronic which which was that was Bernard Sumner and who was the other Johnny Mann. Oh yeah, Johnny Mann, Neil Tennant. Um, I sorry, I, I get that. I do get that feel because it was uh, when I first started listening to it. It was like, oh, and it's another one of these with the uplifting rave piano at the start of it all. And kind of, we've we've heard quite a lot of this recently. And then the, <laughs> that sort of anemic chorus guitar comes in, jingle jangling over the top of it. And I was, I, the first couple of listens, I was rolling my eyes a little bit. But I, I'm with you too. Really. I, I, it really grew on me. It was a track. It really started worming its way into my heart a little bit, to, to quote you, Brad. Um, and I, I, I do think it works. I, it reminded me of the reckoning, actually, of Middle Class Revolt. That same kind of energy and style about it. The lyrics make me smile. It's uh, it's one of those where he's he's just on the he's just on the yes. I think Serge Gainsbourg is is a good sort of touchstone on that. It's kind of the wry understanding of where he's of the sense sentiment of the song isn't it and i i like that i like the vibe that it creates um but going back to the manchester thing it really reminded me of atmosphere and i think it was the arrangements when the drums come in it's all toms isn't it that plays in the background and then at the break it's got that little wind chime thing as well which is straight out of atmosphere uh, so it, it it had me it had me there but yeah i quite like this and it's it charmed its way yeah well we all know you're a big Ross Abbott fan phil so that pool's finest. What does Tim Trois think? I, I'm t- I can't guess what he which way he'll go on this. I think he'll like it. Never given this track a second thought before, but there's definitely something to it. I like the melancholy house sort of feel backed by the jangle. I'd like to have heard this one with the sort of production they had on infotainment, like the super dance Pascal Mad. I feel like if Mezzi's box were buried a little more, it would be even more effective. I like the way the drums come in for the chords, replacing the program stuff. Lots of potential in this one. Indeed. So a lot of love in the room for that. And it's up against Half Found Borman, which was the B-side uh, from A Ghost in My House, single 1987. <laughs> Thank you. 
first few listens, couldn't quite get my head around what it was. I, I kind of liked it. it as that little bit of an interlude feel. And, and uh, I did a bit of reading and, and found out it was from uh, Hey Luciani, the play. It kind of made a little bit more sense. And there's a pretty decent backstory to it as well. And that all kind of helped. And I, I started to think of it more like an audio collage, like a bit of music concrete, almost as if you were receiving like the radio signals through kind of the fuzz, the hazy fuzz. And, and it, it works really well in, in that kind of thing is that that forceful snare throughout that kind of holds it together you got mez kind of mumbling in the background but bricks is the one kind of doing her spoken arty bricks narrative with a nice phase on it and all these great sounds the whirring sped up tape the the tape hiss kind of muted guitars and keyboard clusters and a second bricks which i wondered if whether this was the rare marsha schofield vocal line but i think it's probably just bricks doubled up it's actually when i look to the ghost in my house ep or the the single it got, goes to my house sleep debt snatches markle sinkers and half found borman and that is a that is a really cool um set of b-sides there those three uh marcia apparently hated it she it was part of as i said hey luciani mark's play and uh marcia and bricks were assuming the role of two israeli commandos tracking down martin borman who was hitler's personal secretary <laughs> had reportedly been killed at the end of world war ii but his body was never found and so it was rumors he was living in south america and uh, this is what this song quote unquote is it a love song it's a love song <laughs> to hitler's organizational structure nimrod is vindicated in the highest greatest glories to god half found borman northwest transmission ends advice kiss 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 i love it it is uh it is weird it is silly it is totally different to everything else we've heard which we say so many times which is insane but yeah absolutely love it claire what did you make of of this little nugget i, I just couldn't get my head around it at all it's not it's not for me i don't think but um i, I appreciate like the certain sounds that make can sound like they're in a war zone or something and some of the some of the sounds are really like clever and um yeah different different to other the things I've heard by the fall but um, yeah for me it's definitely a B-side <laughs> so uh, I don't really have much more to say than that to be honest but maybe it's worth me giving it another few lessons and now you've explained a bit about it you know <laughs> I might maybe. get me head around it a bit more maybe it's a, it, it's never going to be um, a top 10 banger but it's um, it's, it's got its <laughs> charms I think uh, Philip what do you make of it? Yeah so I was I found this a little bit hard to get into myself I quite liked the I, what I found was I listened to it sometimes and thought, yeah, it's all right. And I listened to it sometimes and thought, I've not been moved for this at all. Just give me an edit. But if it is intentionally soundtracking, because it it's very textured, isn't it? It's not like it's taught up in beats or uh, like it's it's got any poppy hooks to it or anything like that. It's it's very much something that you're on a journey with. It reminded me a bit of, I've been listening to a bit of Coil recently, uh, or maybe like Negative Land or something like that. You know, with the, it's more of a narrative collage kind of approach. It stands shoulder to shoulder with any of that kind of stuff. And I do think a skit is a better way of looking at it than uh, than maybe a track. It's more of a sort 
sort of piece, isn't it? Uh, rather than a, a song. So yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's not going on that compilation tip for, to get somebody into the fall, is it? But I agree with you about that slab of vinyl. That's a nice bit of vinyl, is it? Yeah. The only thing for me, as much as I liked it, was that, uh, like I said, it felt a lot longer than two minutes, 45 seconds. I, yeah. I looked at that, I looked as it was finishing, I thought it was six minutes long. And so that's not a good sign, <laughs> I don't think. Um, I think Tim's going to like it, though. What does he say? Like this one a lot. <laughs> sort of us sort of us 80s 90s feeling chug and a nice wheezy discordant accompaniment not sure about the lyrics or the delivery but looking on the annotated thanks for the work fellas it appears that it was a stage piece so it makes sense i thought fair enough now this is the time of the evening we should we should give a shout out to our unofficial sponsors the annotated fall where <laughs> i certainly steal almost all of my ideas from so thanks for all the hard work chaps and uh, chapesses so Alistair, what do you make of this song? Well, it sounds like they're pissing around in the studio, doesn't it? Disco Stu, well spotted with the uh, US 80s, 90s. That was one of the first things that I picked up on. But they did do a fair bit of pissing around in the studios, like when they sort of started getting their hands on drum machines for the first time. And they did come out with some nice sort of experimental sounding stuff as a result of it. Well, Brix's vocal, I weren't dead keen on it. It's like she's trying a little bit too hard to sound menacing. <clears throat> like the keyboard sounding, like all the noises, like everybody mentions, like airs, you know, did quite like that stuff. My problem with it is it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just sort of a thing. Yeah, it doesn't take you to, to on the journey. As it were. Which is ironic because it's literally about people going on a journey, but um, <laughs> there you go, I can't have everything. Ezra, what do you reckon to half found a Borman? I love it. It's gone very far up my um, estimation after hearing that it's a B side to um, a ghost in your house and also hearing what the other B sides are. I'm not at all surprised that the, <laughs> the big mainstream success eluded them in that period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'd have bought that, they would have been my new favourite band, for sure, because that's just such an odd listening experience going from the basically kind of indie pop of Ghost in Your House just straight into the abyss of Sleep Debt and Half Found Borman. And yeah, I, I don't know if I would put it up there as High as Sleep Debt, which is a song that impressed me immensely. And yeah, I do concur that it's, to me, it's just a transmission, you know, heard over a crackly radio late at night and and for me, for that, the atmosphere, the ambience is perfect. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yes. And it's great to hear it's pretending to be German. Nimrod Leader reports captured resistance in the form of two false Aztec gods. In fact, Sudanese agents, Nimrod is vindicated, have found Bowman. Vials of stupid serum. Refer gallery, refer Paraguay, refer Vatican. Come on. Come on. Oh, it's pure right. that, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's pure boros. Chopped up the buggery. All right, let's have a let's have a vote. Um, Philip? I um I'm gonna have to go, I think, the gentleman's agreement. Fair enough. Claire? Gentleman's agreement. Aye aye. Alistair. I find Bowman. Interesting. Uh, Timothy? He's thrown his weight behind no gentleman. Fair enough. Ezra. I found Bowman for me. 
Oh. I'm torn. I'm really, I'm torn because I really like Gentleman's Agreement, but I'm going to do it. It's, um, I'm going for half Van Borman. So it is a oh. draw. It is a draw. And we need to go to the fingers. So, Claire, the way we do this is we, we have up to three points for each of these songs. So you can vote anything up to three for each of them. And I will tot up the scores incorrectly and then decide whatever I feel, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, first up, let's vote on half Van Borman. Can you have like two point eight? Yes. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. It just makes it even more likely I'm going to add it wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that in that respect, I'll go for one point four nine. No, um, I'll give it one point five. All right, very nice. And what about Timothy? Phil, what's he say? For Borman two. Okay, three, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, thirteen point five for Borman. Gentlemen's agreement um, out of three good people. Seven, eight. What is Tim given? Trois. All right. That gives it 11 points, which means that uh, half fine Borman makes its way into round two against everyone's better judgment. But uh, that's what you get for being in the middle of the road. You get a bunch of twos. Up next, it is Jim's The Fall from RUR Missing Winner 2001. <laughs> Jim's the fall, referring, of course, to Jim Watts, the new bass player in that era. Um, Philip, what do you make of that? It comes in well. It's a nice stomp. I find myself foot-tapping straight away to it. I think they've got some nice sounds going on, and it's you, you kind of straight into the fall with it all. I, I do find it a little bit boring after a while, though. I think it just needed something else going on with it, a bit of a break. I find the sound a bit mushy in the production. It's like, doesn't feel like feels like it could do with a bit more separation between the voices and the in the mix. It's just not got much shelf life for me. I found myself getting a little bit bored of it uh, quite quickly. Although, having said all of that, we did blatantly, or I blatantly did rip this riff off for one of the Dragon Bomb songs. I think I totally lifted that riff unintentionally, but it's uh, I was cringing as I was listening to. It. That's not a good thing to be stealing, is it, Philip? Uh, <laughs> Theft in a itself i'm all for but to uh, choose wisely come on alistair i think you're going to wish this was in the red <laughs> <laughs> you know what? it really wouldn't have done it any harm a fairly standard sort of garagey stomp um it's all right there's bongo what you said you two said but it's definitely no big hitter is it if it makes it through to the next round it's it's mincemeat then isn't it you know it's pretty much low hanging fruit that's going to get picked <laughs> off dead easy it's competent but polite could have been more threatening sounding quite like the backing vocals that reminded me of uh, you know something from a you know a film like the freaks you know come join us um 
kind of chant, you know, as if it's some sort of footage from a, a documentary on a cult or something. But yeah, it's, it's just a bit beige. A little bit. I'll give you that. Claire, what about this one for you? Yeah, I think I agree, really. It does go on a bit and it doesn't really go anywhere after that. That kind of vocally does at the beginning is a bit odd, isn't it? Like where his voice is really, really deep. It's almost like metal or something. It's really odd. Um, I, I imagine this would be really good live and you get really into it live. But um, yeah, it's not something I'm going to sit down and listen to. Yeah, I think it would be great live. I, I agree. I think it's a, it's a nice garagey four to the floor stomp. But yeah, production does it no favour. So I was kind of joking, uh, Al, as you, as you want everything up in the red. But I do think this is one a little bit more distortion. But I don't even know if that would have been enough. It, it's, you know, good fall is good fall. And this is good fall, but it's it's no more than that. We get a little bit of soft mark, soft lad mark at the end, which is always nice. Ezra, I think you cited this as one of the greatest songs ever written only last week when we talked about uh, Are You Our Missing Winner? I did not. Hell no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, that rumour to best. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right as an opening track for um, a kind of pretty middling album. And, uh, you know, I like the kind of swoopy, wow-wad guitar. But, yeah, I'm more or less in agreement probably with all that's been said thus far. So it seems to be another complaint about, in this case, paying people seven nine nine or one million pounds. The next fork is endless. Fork out. I can't cover. Accused down for endless. Endless outstretched hands are the result of all you've given. Close it out just for now. There's a byway to the south, which I suppose might be referring to the uh, controversy around the touch sensitive authorship. They're nicely, nicely collaged together, but do come across a little bitter. Yes, and we, we never want to think of Marky Smith as a bitter man. Um, <laughs> a bit. Endless outstretched hands is a really nice line, but apparently it's from uh, Lord of the Flies. But still, that's some good stealing, Phil. So <laughs> learn from that. Uh, Tim's going to have no time for this middle of the road dirge, is he? One of the best on this record. God, thick and flabby vocals and dirty riffing. I like the fast changes and dropouts. Feels like a much more complete and developed song than a lot of more basic stripped away things on the album. Close it out. I imagine he's just listening to a totally different song because he doesn't tell the titles of any of these. It could be absolutely anything. <laughs> Um, he doesn't actually send anything, and I just make it up. You do a good job. But it is up against the ballad of Jay Drummer from our favourite, one of our favourite records, A Light User Syndrome, 1996. Earlier, one now, now, six, oh, one. The last new Ballard of Jay Drummer, the Jay Ballard of Drummer. What about that, Alistair? Yeah, that's a song, that one, isn't it? Yeah, I've got like, that nice sort of military march thing going on it. Is there any guitar or bass on that? Or is it just drum synth and vocals? Um, 
I think there's well, bass. I think there's a bit of bass yeah. on there, but it, but most of it's those kind of uh, keyboards I, I imagine from Nagel, kind of like choir sounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, uh, going back to the uh, uh, Phil mentioning Bus Abbott earlier, uh, it does remind me a little bit of atmosphere, that, you know, the sound to the, the synths on it. You know, it's all right. It's not one of the best ones off that album, which is a pretty good album. Yeah, a lot of, lot of great stuff on there. Chloe, what did you make of this? I can't be doing with all that military drum, and it's like, it's too loud. Um, it goes on for too much. Um <laughs> I almost expect bagpipes to come in and an absolutely bloody hate <laughs> bagpipes. <laughs> um, but I do like the way he's, it's, I think his voice is great on this and I love the way it kind of wraps itself around the drums. I, I really like it in that respect, but it doesn't really go anywhere, does it? Fair enough. What's Tim reckon to this? Great stuff. Talk to me, it's the pack at the end of a good album. Feels like I'm missing the joke somewhere, or maybe it's a latter-day conversion of the early Lovecraftian tales Mez used to do so well. Seems pregnant with menace, or at least paranoia. Looking forward to hearing your takes on it. I bet you are. To do your job for you. Tucked in... disappointed. Tucked in amongst the pap at the end of the album. Last chance to turn around. Succession man. Come on. He doesn't like those, though, does he? Ezra, what do you reckon to the ballad of Jay Drummer. Oh, it's fantastic. Love it. I do I do agree that, you know, kind of comes in and you're expecting it to really kick off. Mall of Kintyre. Oh, don't do that again. (laughs) That would fall within within the reach of this song for sure. That's part of the reason why I love it. You know, it's it's got a great showdown vibe to it. It was real spaghetti western business, and yet maybe it's the ultimate point that it just doesn't really do anything because that's life. You know, that's life. Very good, very good indeed. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with Ezra 100. It's like if there had been bagpipes coming, I would have been all for it. But until Claire, until you mentioned it, I hadn't thought about it. But as soon as you said it, I was like, oh yeah, a lesser band would have brought in the bagpipes and the penny whistle halfway through, but not Smith. He just he just like he doesn't need to do anything. Just. <laughs> Julia just keep pressing that same synth choir noise over and over again with just that one snare. Uh, there's two drummers playing on this track. <laughs> <laughs> They're both playing the same <laughs> snare drum, though. Yeah, I'd say it doesn't need much more. It's a rare, late-era Mez a story song. I mean, it is pretty abstract. He did a lot of the story stuff in the early few albums, but then it got pretty abstract, and I'm just happy that, that he gave us a bit of a story, a little bit more of a narrative to hang our hearts on. In the year 199601, the last numeral was upside down. Johnny Drummer came to the outskirts of town. People came out and shouted at him. Some people came came and shouted dead at him, show us your sticks. Then they went back to their computer trick. He had hit a town with no life to begin where they had forgot the facts. A cautionary tale about an outlaw who uses, insists on using real drumsticks is what uh, he annotated for, I said. And uh, maybe a tribute to Kay Burns, who was um, on his way out very soon. And I think the last line of don't ever follow the path of being hard and tough when your heart is soft is something that I wish I'd heard <laughs> many years ago. Philip, I, yeah, I quite like this. I, I, I like the change of pace. I can totally get why the drums might be annoying to some, to some people, but I like the fact that it's a very different arrangement to their other stuff. 
it really reminded me of like ballad records from the 50s that I seem to remember where it's like Johnny goes off to war or something like that and dies and then it's like Johnny remember me yeah that kind of stuff I had it on in the car the other day and somebody asked me if it Christmas song (laughs) (laughs) was it a child who asked you no it wasn't actually (laughs) (laughs) so it's uh, but I kind of get that with that that arrangement on it i quite like this i like the fact they do something different i do like the fact that it's, it's going back to something a bit more narrative i did think the narrative was a bit thin though to be honest with you by the time it gets to the end i thought the last line one's a bit flat really i did quite enjoy this one all right well it's time to take our third vote of the evening jim's the fall versus the ballard of ga drummer claire which way are you going jim jim's the fall very nice ezra ballard sweet Alistair. I'll ballard it as well. Philip. Yeah, Jay Drama for me, yeah. <laughs> right. I am going with Ballard, so let's see whether uh, Tim balances the Ballard in the gym. Timothy Tim Tim twice says gym free. Wait, once again, we cannot make a decision, so we go to the fingers. All right, so out of three, we'll start with Jim's The Fall. Give it a score out of three, four, five, six. Wow. And what was Tim? He gave three, didn't he? So that's nine. Ballard of Jay Drummer. That's like, ah, uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ten, ten and a half. It's already won, regardless of what Tim said. So Ballard of J Drummer goes through. Justice is served. Let's have a listen to Loop 41 slash Houston off the, um, some album from some time. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know you're feeling on cover versions? Does this count? Um, I don't really know what it is, tell truth. I've never heard it before. Um, it's not one that I knew. Initially, I thought it was going in about Euston Station in London, but yeah, then I looked at the, uh, the title. It's competent, but a bit boring. You know, the guitar riffs are all right. You know, it reminds me a bit of country teasers in some respects. Most entertaining bit in it was that sound that makes it sound like somebody's got hiccups. Noted. You're going to play it for original, Brendan. What a good idea. Oh, why don't we have a bit of a listen to the Lee Hazelwood record from sometime in the 1960s. Let's listen first to this pachinko commercial. Well, it's lonesome in this big town. Everybody puts me down. I'm a face. Without a name, I'm just a walking in the rain. I'm going back to Houston, 
Houston, Houston I got holes in both of my shoes And I'm a walking case of the blues I saw a dollar yesterday But the wind blew it away I'm going back to Houston So a fairly faithful cover there by The Fall, uh, prefaced by a bit of a a gnarly loop, loop number 41, we believe. Claire, what did you make of this tune? Well, I know the songs, I'm a massive Lee Hayeswood fan. Very good. And to be honest, I don't think they need a bit justice. The intro, because you have no idea that that's going to come next. I like the pace of it. I think um, like Lee Hazelwood's version sounds like a lot more chipper. And um, I think um, he's like got a spring in his step. Um, the fall have got like, uh, they're just kind of meandering around, which I like a lot. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I really like it as a cover version. I'm, I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I, I really love Lee Hazelwood's stuff. And we listened to one a few weeks back, a cover of uh, Nancy Sinatra that the fall did, um, which was this, The City oh. Never Sleeps, which is all right. But it, they've got um, a female vocalist. Smith isn't on that. So this is, and, and yeah, uh, I always find Lee Hazelwood's um, world reeriness a little bit unconvincing. He was always, he always seemed a bit chipper, even when he was uh, Sunday morning coming <laughs> down. But Smith uh, does feel like he's got the weight of the world. Yeah, it's not the shows. best one of his songs at all, Lee Hazelwood, but, but you know, it's still yeah, God. Yeah, yeah I, I really like it. It's, it's a nice tune. What I liked about Lee Hazelwood version is that the intro, like he's, it feels like he's singing out a tune and he's got this reverb and then the, the vocal, the, the music comes in and he's actually in tune. There's some kind of weird dissonance. I'm just laughing at Alice to say the hiccup sound. I thought it was like a dog sound. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've written down woofing, woofing. Okay, what are you doing when you get mad? <laughs> it's a dog hiccup. <laughs> what does Tim reckon to this? I don't think he's uh, giving it time of day. I think you're probably right. Could do without this, to be honest. Uh, I think it's the only thing I would ever think of skipping on this album. At least the hop-ups in the background are funny. All right, so we are torn between hiccups, hop-ups, and uh, and woof-woofs. But uh, <laughs> controversy, it's all part of the game, isn't it? And it is from Country on the Click, aka the real New Fall album 2003, which is a, which is a great album. Yeah, the album probably could have done without this, but it's a comp- it is a competent cover of a nice pop tune. Uh, Ezra, what do you make of it? I think you pretty much summed it up there, a competent cover of a nice pop tune. Yeah, having just listened to the original, I thought the original was a country mile better, and precisely for that intro, which really took me by surprise. That's such a fantastic introduction to the song. And I suppose that's why the fall put Loop 41 there, because they couldn't quite pull that off. I mean, I'm not sure how anyone would pull that off. I'm certainly not going to criticise them for not trying. Um, And I think it was a good idea to use that loop in Loop or as a replacement of for the actual original intro. But yeah, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine. Indeed, a loop in lieu of Leapy Lee, if you like. What about you, Philip? Uh, I didn't really do much for me, this, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it, it sort of dawdles along. I, I could I knew it was a cover, but I didn't know it was Lee Hazelwood. And it is nice hearing the original. They do like Lee Hazelwood's voice and his, his kind of approach to, to arranging stuff. Um, but <laughs> what I did write down about this one was annoying but patchy because it is the kind of thing where I was uh, I didn't really look forward to it coming on with, with the playlist but after it finished I did find myself wandering around singing Houston Houston <laughs> so I was doing bits of Bob around the house and then uh, occasionally found myself going because he is quite often 
the plane on the whole Houston Houston thing, isn't it? So it was. It's it's catchy. It does what it needs to do, but it's uh, I, I, it's not really. It's not doing anything for me. Really, try. Aye, aye. Well, it is up against uh, Wise Old Man from the uh, the EP of the same name in the year two thousand and sixteen. What do you make of Wise Old Man? Yeah, I like it. Um, for me, it's all about the vocals, really. I, I just love um, how they weave in and out. And I always like um, girl-boy singer things together. I really, really like that. It's kind of, that kind of not so much in this respect, but a, a bit kind of pillow talk-ish. Um, but yeah, I think um, her vocals are horrendous, yeah. Yeah, it gets my vote. I like it. Very nice. Yeah, so that's uh, probably Eleni, his wife at the time, who was in the band. And um, she sings quite a lot on this and even takes the lead at part. And like you say, a duet, I think it, it's really nice. It works really well. What uh, does Ezra think of this, though? Yep, it's a good one. Getting into the kind of later period, this is one of those tracks which really kind of hits the psychedelic kind of garage rock buttons for me, which I feel was where they were really, you know, best represented, maybe, in this final period. Another bonkers EP, because the other track on this was All Leave Cancelled, which is 11 minutes of what sounds like a disastrous Butthole Surfers session. <laughs> <laughs> where they'd gotten a tramp in to, to, to do the vocals. <laughs> but it's still quite good, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'll leave it at that for now. That's plenty. Thank you very much, sir. What does Tim think? I didn't buy this when it came out, and I don't think I've ever heard this one before. It's all right. I like the layering of the sound and the weirdly displaced Delaney vocals, but it's all a bit Southern rock otherwise. Sounds a bit rushed and underdeveloped. Not bad, though. I think the lyrics are pretty straightforward, but without knowing the subject matter with any certainty, it doesn't really mean anything to me. Not sure I'll be revisiting, but better than Houston. On the buzz, the hill folk remove earplugs. Sorry, he's proud to repulse. Wise old man can get you out. He was only 19. Wise old man didn't exist. Wise old man, he has a butcher's face. Yes, <laughs> very nice. Good work. If that is even what he's singing. <laughs> but Philip, what do you think of this? So yeah, so it was interesting what Claire was saying about the uh, the boy-girl vocal thing, because I, I, I think that is the standout with this track. I think the vocal performances are fab on it. I mean, Elaine can, doesn't put a foot wrong ever. I think she's she's perfect with everything. But um, I think her and Smithy on this uh, are absolutely on the it's uh, on um, full steam ahead. I, I think it works perfectly. I think the music's a bit boring. I think it's oh, it's functional, and I, I I found myself nodding away to Ezra then about uh, in this period when they hit that psyche garage rock vibe. It's when they sound like they're having the most fun as a band, and it is probably the best energy in, in this period. Um, and they're definitely going for that in this in this track. But I think it needs a it needs a break. 
think it's just crying out for a break that it never seems to hit. And I think that would just tip it over the edge into being a, a classic. Best. But because it doesn't have that, the music just ends up being a bit mushy in the background to my ear. Um, but like I said, I, I think Eleni and Mark are absolutely brilliant on this. I think it's, uh, I, I love the noises that Mark is getting out of him setting all that falsetto. <laughs> Perfect. It sounds beautiful and brilliant. And Eleni is just, uh, you know, marshalling it as she always does and doing that step back, cool, Nico kind of vocal to it all. Yeah, it's uh, that side of it all is brilliant. Sweet, sweet. And uh, how about you, Alistair Aspinall? What does it do for you? I just enjoyed Phil's Jimmy Sapple impression. It was very good. Uh, <laughs> Don't be saying that. Can't say that anymore, <laughs> Alistair. <laughs> It's a fairly standard garagey uh, kind of song. Uh, you know, the, the uh, vocals are great, as everybody's mentioned. Yeah, but you just need to roughing up a little bit somewhere. And uh, yeah, maybe just came in the red. Does it need to go in the red, Al? It could, that's a good, very good phrase, that. I do like that phrase, Phil. Um, you know, you might not sort of uh, do it any harm, you know. Just, uh, yeah, make it sound a bit more like Guitar Wolf, and then, you know, everybody will be happy. But yeah, there's nothing too interesting in there, is there? That when I put it on a couple of times uh, on random and it came on after Jim, and I thought, oh, it's, it's better than Jim, but it does more or less the same thing. It's like, I think it's got a lot of the same elements. I think they do it better on this track. It's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more uh, memorable uh, the vocals, yeah, definitely the, the highlight of the track. Spirited Mares, good garage rock with just a whiff of pub pubbiness in there from the boys. Um, uh, Greenway, I don't know, you could do better on them, but um, but still, not bad at all, not bad. Decent tunage. He's, just, he's, he's been getting a bit of a bash in the hasn't he, Greenway? But he's, he's just a bit too much of a passenger, I think, on these. He's a nice chap, right? But he's going to suffer in comparison in these shows to, Cri to Craig's and almost anyone else who plays guitar in the fall, even though he does some good stuff. Peter, we don't we don't dislike you. We love you with lots of what you do. Don't take it to heart, young man. Most of it is better than anything on TLC. Exactly. Um, so let's take a uh, perfunctory vote in many ways. I'm going to vote for Wise Old Man. Um, Claire, which way are you going? I'm going Wise Old Man, yeah. Fair enough. Ezra? Wise Old Man. Hi, Alistair? Wise Old Man. <laughs> Sure. And Timothy? Wise old man. Yeah. Uh, it's a route. So that means that two steps back, half fine Borman, the ballad of Jay Drummer, and a wise old man make it through into the next room with the rest of them going into the second chance bag. Claire, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. I'm going to go now and listen to loads of fall. And <laughs> what a treat. Beautiful. And some Lee Hazelwood maybe as well, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's always on that. <laughs> well, I like that album, um, Cowboy in Sweden. Okay, Cowboy. I like that track, yeah. I love it. But then I'll change my mind in half an hour. <laughs> good stuff. That's a good record. When we get into round two eventually, in many, many years' time, we'll, 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 if you're around, we'd love to have you back. Great, that'd be fantastic. Take it easy, everyone, and uh, I'll see you soon. Bye, thank you. See